0: Good morning. morning. I I tell you, you guys better liven up on me today, just a little bit. I'm getting concerned. Um, How many of you are glad to be here? You glad to be here? How many of you are glad to be alive? Is anybody glad to be alive? I'm glad to be alive. Uh, I just I, I'm, I'm sorry, but when when uh, when this church invited me 16 and a half years ago to come and be a part of it, they just they get they get me okay and that's that's who who it is uh, and I just I have to, I have to say this morning, it's, it's so glad. Uh, I'm so glad she's home. Uh, but many of you have met before uh, Avery Rochester. But Avery's home uh, for a visit. She's uh, in grad school down south, and she's home. Avery, thank you for being here with your family, Glenn and Julie, and your fiancé, Austin. She's going to be getting married. God used Avery incredibly in my life and in two weeks it will be one year can you believe that a year and it's like i just like you know energizer buddy, just keep on rolling right that's what it is man i'm i'm glad so i'm glad to be alive i'm glad to be here today we've been talking in this series about kingdom builders and 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 through the series i'm i'm trying to build what that really is but we talked last week about two different kingdoms we said that neutrality is not an option Uh, I think that stuck with some of you. You really got that. You understood that from history. Neutrality is not an option that we pick one or the other, but the choice is ours. God has given us that choice. This morning, I want to start with Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, and these are Jesus' words, and I want you to pay attention to what he says. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to think about that word key or keys. And um, keys are are important things. Um, I I, I think it was this last summer... um, My wife and I were gone for a few days. Maybe it was the summer before, but uh, we were gone for a few days, and um, the kids all—they came home, and nobody had keys. Um, Have you ever had that happen? Nobody had keys, and uh, of course, they didn't. They didn't. I, I, I didn't have any spare keys, you know, hidden or anything like that. And so they went around checking all the windows. And, and pretty soon, I found out that um, somebody had to climb on the roof to find out if one of the upstairs bedroom windows was unlocked, you know, they had screens laying all over the yard, uh, just nothing that just said, come rob me, like that, that whole thing. Uh, but keys are important. We often think of them as as letting us into something, giving us access to it, and um, uh, they 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 use that idea of a key to the city. You you've heard of that. Um, when a person receives a key to the city, it symbolizes the handing over of authority to that person. Um, when a city wants to really honor a citizen or a dignitary, they they present them with uh, you know a key to the city that literally goes to no lock in town. Okay, it's it's just it's purely figurative okay it's not a literal uh, key um, but there are communities that that do this symbolically where they will turn over leadership of the city for a day but when someone receives the key to the city it really it, it, it harkens back to medieval times when there would be a wall that was around the city and there was a gate and that gate was guarded. And, and in order to go in and out of that gate, you had to, especially after dark, um, you, you, there were limitations. And a person who was given the key to the city was free to leave or enter that gate, even when it was locked and guarded, because by by the fact that they've received that key, they have been deemed as a friend of that community. And so they would be given access into and out of that particular city. Uh, one who the person who has it, they have that freedom because they are a trusted friend. And in this scripture that we read, Jesus doesn't actually present Peter with a keychain or a key ring. Okay, uh, he he talks about key in a different way than that. He gives them an authority and he 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 puts it upon them. This morning, what I want to do is talk with you about six keys that are crucial factors that we need to understand in order to, to operate in this kingdom that Jesus has, has provided for us. there there are some key factors that we need to understand because when we understand those things, we can operate within it more successfully. And that's this morning what I really would like to do is to open our eyes so that we can function within this kingdom successfully. Uh, Key number one is conferred. Conferred. Luke chapter 22 and verse 29, Jesus said, And I confer on you... A kingdom just as my father conferred one on me now the word confer it means to graciously give and and to give it to be it's not giving it to you it's giving it upon you okay it's very different it's giving it not to you so that you own it. It is given to be upon you. And I want you to make sure that you you distinguish. This is a, a promise that refers to to earth and to this life and and what Jesus is saying to the disciples because he went on when he he said that to Peter, he said very similar things to the other disciples, okay? So I see nothing here that Jesus is setting Peter up, okay, in the papal sense uh, that some interpret it. But he is saying to them, As the disciples, he is conferring, he is is placing on them as the leaders in the church. He is is telling them that you will bear sway over the hearts of men. I want you to think about that. Think about what has happened over the last 2,000 years. That Peter and the disciples would preach the message of the gospel and people would be willing to die. They had sway over the hearts of men through this kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching the gospel in Samaria and he happens to be casting out demon spirits and there was a man in that community who was very well known, Uh, he was very popular, Um, he was a man who who was uh, they, they, they looked at him as having spiritual power, they called him the great power, his name was Simon and Simon was a sorcerer and when Philip came to town and began to preach the gospel and people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were delivered uh, from those who were demon-possessed, Simon was amazed at their power, so much so that Simon offered to buy that power from them. He offered, said, Hey, just I'll, I'll pay you whatever you want. Just give me that kind of power. And friends, I want you to know that the kingdom of God cannot be purchased. The kingdom of God cannot be earned, it can only be received and placed upon you as a gift. When Jesus told Peter that he gave him the keys of the kingdom, it was based on Peter's earlier confession of you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when you and I come to a place in our lives when we accept what Jesus has done and when we're able to declare you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, God confers upon us or graciously Puts upon us the kingdom of God. We become part of that kingdom. And we have now been given sway over the hearts of men. And my question is today as the church is are we making use of that sway? We've been given We've been given, conferred upon this gift of the kingdom. God has given us sway over the hearts of men and women. Are we making use of it? Dare I would say, are we taking advantage of it in our community today? And and my my estimation is that as the church as a whole, whether it's Silver Creek Church or all the churches in our community, I would say that indeed we are not taking advantage advantage of it and it's important for us to function in the kingdom of God as the body of Christ to understand that that has been conferred upon us it's not just a blessing it is literally a sway that God has given us over others When you share the gospel with someone and they accept Jesus into their heart and they begin to grow in him and they begin to live for God, the kingdom has sway over that person's life. Key number two, it's unshakable. Now, the word unshakable may not really be the best word because when you look at unshakable in the dictionary, it it's talking about a belief or a feeling or an opinion that's strongly felt and even unable to be changed. But when I say to you today that the kingdom of God is unshakable, I'm not speaking about a feeling or an opinion. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, the writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, since we have, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. The kingdom of the Redeemer, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, is a permanent kingdom, and it will never pass away. Thank you. It will never pass away. This kingdom is a kingdom that is forever. The Gospels record that Jesus said that heaven and earth will do what? They'll pass away. They will pass away. Think about that. But the kingdom of God will never pass away. His words, the scriptures say, will remain forever. Not only will his kingdom not pass away, but it will never be defeated. Scripture says that God will crush Satan's head under the feet of his people. You guys are so excited. I need you to hold it down today. You're a little, you're a little emotional on me. Okay, let's rein it in. I want you to hear that again. God will crush Satan's head under the feet of his people. The Bible says that they will overcome him by Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I love Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 where he says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory forever and ever. Amen. The kingdom of God is unshakable. It's eternal. It's everlasting. There is no end and it cannot be defeated. I read it last week in Revelation chapter 11. Where it says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. His kingdom is unshakable. And if you dwell in that kingdom, and if the kingdom dwells in you, you are unshakable by virtue of that fact. Amen? Amen. Number three. It's countercultural. Culture is synonymous with society, the way I'm saying this. And so we have to realize that culture is opposed to the kingdom of God. They go in opposite directions. The culture is part of the world system that the Bible says is ruled by Satan. It's what scripture tells us. You say, come on now, really? I want you to think about that. Do you know that today, in the world, there will be 125,000 infants who will be aborted? It's a culture of death. Our world is being ruled by the enemy of our souls. In the US, that calculates since 1973, 50 million babies just in the United States alone. The, our culture and the kingdom of God have different values, they have different objectives, there's a different destination. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 44, he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So when I talk about This culture and the kingdom of God moving in different directions and valuing different things. Jesus, when he came, took on, as Philippians says, the form of a servant. And we know that in our culture today, what is important is not being a servant. What is important is being served. It's just the way our world is. It is the culture of of our world and the culture of our world is moving in a different direction than the kingdom of God and in building this kingdom we're going to feel compelled to do things that doesn't the world doesn't understand. They don't agree with it and we can't make them understand. We're moving in another direction and there is no agreement between us and people literally will think we are crazy. You're like, he looks a little crazy. Do you realize that? When we function within the kingdom, when we live out the values of the kingdom, the world will say they're nuts. In fact, I I think we're, we're this close. We're this close in our society to being in that place where people who believe that Jesus died for their sins, that he rose again on the third day, and that he's coming back one day, will literally be judged as mentally unstable. we got to be prepared for it. They'll think we're crazy. But let's continue to trust God so that we can do things as part of the kingdom of God, as part of the body of Christ, and and, and the culture may not understand it. Why why do you guys do the things that you do? Why, Why do you volunteer your time? Why do you give of yourself? Why do you give of your talent? Why do you give of your finances to do the things that you do because it doesn't make sense to them? Let's continue. Let's continue to be countercultural because the kingdom of God is moving in a completely different direction than our society. Number four, the fourth key is undivided. In the Gospels, Jesus drove out demonic spirits that had taken control of people, and in one situation, they accused Jesus of doing this. By the power of Beelzebub, it says in the, the Gospels. Beelzebub is translated as the Lord of the Flies or the Lord of Celestial Habitation. In other words, the Prince of the Power of the Air. They were suggesting that Jesus was casting out demons through the power of Satan. And in Luke 11, here's what Jesus said, verse 17. He knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself, Will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. So, in other words, why would Satan cast out that which is of Satan? And the answer is he wouldn't. They're on the same team. The truth for you and I in this particular message is that the kingdom of God is unified, it is not divided. Jesus told his followers that he and his heavenly Father were one i read this this scripture to you last week as well matthew twelve thirty. i ended with it whoever is not with me is against me whoever does not gather with me scatters the kingdom of god cannot be divided paul warned the corinthian church that there should be no division among them they were to be perfectly united in mind and thought and friends that is not a human trait You get a group of people together and I will guarantee you on any subject under the sun, not everyone will all think the same way, right? It's the truth. But we can still be in agreement. We can still be united and in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, there needs to be a unity, there needs to be an agreement and should not be, as Paul said, division. June 1st, 1792, Kentucky entered into the union with the motto, United we stand, divided we fall. The kingdom of God can only advance when those who are part of it are in agreement. That's big picture and little picture, okay? As Silver Creek Church, we're, we're just part of the little picture, Okay? We're just we're just the body of Christ that happens to get together at 219 Silver Creek Road on 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. okay well that's what we we are now it, it, it's a little larger than that but in essence that's what we're saying and there needs if, if there is division in the body of Christ, the body in the kingdom cannot move forward. it cannot function. it cannot be what it is called to be because it's divided. There needs to be unity in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. Key number five is revealed. Jesus came to reveal the kingdom of God to the earth. In Luke chapter 8, verse 10, he said this. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. Jesus spoke in parables because he wanted those that trusted in him, he wanted them to understand and learn truths of his kingdom, but there were others that he knew did not believe, and he knew that they would not understand him. Before his conversion, man that was known as Saul had obtained legal permission to arrest and imprison those who followed a sect that was known as the Way. He followed them all the way from Jerusalem to Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to this man named Saul in a light that was so bright that it literally blinded him. And he told the Galatians later in a letter that he did not receive that message from any man, but rather it was a revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And I want you to know that God is still in the business of revealing himself. You ever hear somebody say, man, I've read the Bible and it just makes no sense to me. And someone else can say, man, I I opened up my Bible today and words just jumped off the page at me. And they just, it was so applicable to my life. God is still in the business of revealing himself through his word today to you and I. It's in agreement With those who were eyewitnesses. Because Paul, it was revealed to him. It agreed with those who were eyewitnesses. He didn't disagree with with them about who Jesus was. How, How miraculous is that? In Acts chapter 26 verses 17 and 18 it says, I'm sending you to them. To open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that you may receive forgiveness, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins. God desires to use you and I to reveal His kingdom, to open people's eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. He wants to use you and I in that process. In his mercy, he desires that everyone would come to repentance. And I believe that God wants to use the people of Silver Creek Church, not only Silver Creek Church, don't anybody walk away with that, but God wants to use the people of this church like never before to be used to open the eyes of those who are blind to him. God wants to use us to reveal Jesus to a lost world. And number 6 that sixth key is accessible many people think they're not good enough or cleaned up enough to come to god i want you to understand something friends that through his death and resurrection jesus has opened the way into the kingdom and you are not a doorkeeper Deciding who will come in and who will not be allowed in. Jesus has opened the way. Did you know that the scripture says that he has opened doors that no man can close? And in his ministry, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you literally are shutting up the way into heaven. Well, that door has been blown wide open. And it's not just for you and I. It is literally for whosoever will. That's what God desires. He desires that all would come to repentance. As the church, we can build the kingdom of God by making it accessible to everyone, no matter what they've done. In Matthew 21, verse 31, Jesus said something really interesting. He said, there are literally, he was talking again to the Pharisees, there are tax collectors who, remember, those are traitors against Israel, working for Rome to collect taxes and cheat the Jewish people. There are tax collectors, the lowest form of life, and prostitutes who are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Friends, the door is open. The door is open. God desires you and I to be out there and to be a part of him drawing others to himself. Scripture says Jesus said if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto myself. When we worship him here on Sunday morning we are lifting him up and people are drawn to that. When we do an outreach we are lifting Jesus up and others are drawn to it. We want to see our community even though they there's a, there's a counter cultural aspect to it and they might be going in a different direction than we are. We want to proclaim to them the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the kingdom. Why? Because the way is open and God desires them to come to Him. You know, I believe one day that when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked by who's there. We might be shocked by who's not there. The door's open. The door's open. And we want to see it does it doesn't matter if if they're cleaned up or not. Friends, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't be worried about what someone is wearing. I I would be kicked out of the church in 1975. If I came to the platform in 1975 dressed like this. I mean, for my, the shoes I've got on, some of you want to kick me out as it is. Do are, are, you realize that? Oh, he's not wearing his best for Jesus. How do you know what I've got? How do you know what's my best and what's... We were so hung up on all of that. What if somebody walks in the door and you know where they were Friday night? And you know what they were doing. And you know what they were consuming. The door's open. The door's open. The kingdom is here. Jesus said the kingdom of God is with you. It's here. We need to be builders of the kingdom, not doorkeepers of the kingdom. We need to be declaring the kingdom of God is open. Come on in. The water's great. that's That's okay, you don't have to get excited on my account. Jesus tells us two things as followers of Christ that what we need to do. One is pray. Remember Jesus said when you pray, pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to pray, God, that your kingdom would come and expand and grow upon this earth. As as much as you desire it to be in heaven, let it be here on earth. And then he told us to proclaim it. Proclaim the kingdom. God has called the church, everybody who's received the free gift of salvation, to be builders of his kingdom. Just before Jesus ascended to the Father in Acts chapter 1, He told his disciples that they were to be his witnesses. Literally, in the legal sense, they should testify, like you're in court. I've testified in court. It can be painful, okay? But what do you do? They say, will you tell the whole truth? Nothing but the truth, so help you God. They don't even bring out a Bible anymore, but man, I'm, I'm saying I'm, in Jesus' name, I'm telling the truth you're going you're gonna to testify to what you have seen, to what you have experienced. And he said, you're going to do it in Jerusalem. Do you know what Jerusalem was to them? Jerusalem was, was was the big city. They weren't from Jerusalem necessarily. Some of them might have been, but, but Jerusalem is kind of like that place where you go that has all the restaurants, okay? When you live in Curtis, that would be Marquette. Okay. If you live in Marquette, that's Green Bay. Are you with me? You have a, we we all we all like going to that bigger city. You're like, oh, "Oh. and I've heard this a million times in my if if we only had a Chipotle in Marquette, I could be happy, you know. That's what Jerusalem was. It's it's, it's not a big call, okay, to go to that place. But he he goes beyond that. He said Judea, that was to the south. But then he said Samaria, they hated Samaria. They hated Samaritans. We've read, right, we've read the story of the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. They hated each other. We've read the story about the good Samaritan. He he was considered to be a nobody, why? He was a Samaritan. So now I want you to go to those people you don't even like. Okay? I want you to go to that that person or that community where you may feel conflict with, and I want you to share the kingdom of God with them. And then he said, I want you to go to the uttermost parts of the world. For them, that was the Roman world. That was all that was really known. But he challenges you and I today, in 2019, to build the kingdom of God to the uttermost parts of the world. Do it, do it in it, it, at home, do it in that place you really like to go, do it in the place you don't like to go and do it around the world. God has called you and I to do exactly that. So today here in Harvey, in Marquette, in the Upper Peninsula, God has called us as his church to build his kingdom. Would you stand with me? You got a lot of static today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you've called us to be kingdom builders. I thank you that the door is open. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And I will have fellowship with him. The only reason that that can happen is because the door to the kingdom is open to all. To anyone who would answer that knocking, that would open the door and invite him in. This morning, if you're here and you'd say, Kevin, you know, to really be honest... I've never really opened the door of my life to Jesus. I can't say that I've really stepped in and become part of that kingdom. Whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're out in the hub, if that's you this morning, I believe that today can be the day. Scripture says now is the time of salvation. I had a friend of mine that used to tell me, he'd say, you know what kind of watch God has? I said, no, what kind of watch does he have? He said, it's digital and it blinks now. Today is the day of salvation. If you've never stepped into his kingdom, if you've never opened the door of your heart and said, Jesus, come on in, today can be that day. You see, the Bible says that he died for our sin so that we might be forgiven, so that our names would be written in the Lamb's book of life, so that we might receive the gift of eternal life. That is for you. That is for me. That is for whosoever will. And that door is open today. But friends, that door will not be open forever. And so this morning, before we close this service, you say, Kevin, I, I want to step through that door. I want to open it. I want to invite Jesus to come in it. I want to be a part of his kingdom today. I want to assure you, first of all, that he will have you. He will accept you. He will allow you to enter in. It doesn't matter how, how if you feel like you're not cleaned up or you're not ready, it doesn't matter. You don't have to do anything to prepare for it. You just have to say, yes, Lord, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you died for my sin. And I want to accept you. If that's you today, before we leave, I want to pray for you right where you stand. If that's you, just slip your hand up so that I can can see you and, and I can just be praying for you. If that's you, just slip your hand up just to say, yep, Pastor, that's me today. I want to accept Jesus. I want to step into his kingdom. I want him to enter into my life today. Father, I thank you. I thank you that that door is open. I thank you, Lord, that 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 door continues to be open. We don't know how long we have yet before Jesus returns, but Father, I pray that every day, every moment, we will live in that readiness. And as the body of Christ, that we will share it because the door of the kingdom is open. Father, I pray. Lord, for that one that might be struggling at this moment and there's an inner conflict that's going on. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I step in? Do I not step in? Do I open the door of my heart? Do I not? I pray that today, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that that person will, will literally open that door and win that battle. And I thank you, Lord,